G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Welcome to Aussies Only, our weekly look at the Australian players on tour. Hello and welcome to this edition of Aussies Only. Thank you for tuning in to our weekly offering here at the First Serve where we take the time to specifically tune into how our Australian players are tracking on the tour. All thanks to Latour Tennis. Check out their latest Dig 3 collection at latourtennis.com and give them a follow on Instagram as well at Latour Tennis. We've got a very special guest on the show this week. It's your host Jed Zetzer here alongside ex-professional player and one of the men behind the flamboyant range at Latour Tennis, Jake Eames. Eamesy, I'll let you introduce our special guest. Yeah, pumped to be back. She's Australia's sixth best female player, a talent on the rise. And if you keep up to date with her TikToks during isolation, you know she's pretty funny off the court as well. Liz Et Cabrera. Hi, guys. Thanks for coming on the show, Lizette. We really appreciate it. Just want to get straight into it, really. So you were raised in Townsville. Do you mind telling us a little bit about your background and how you got into tennis? Yeah, so I was born in Townsville up north, um, North Queensland. And yeah, I was kind of there till I was 13. Normal kid, went to school. And then when I was 13, we decided to move to Brisbane for the National Academy because that's kind of when we all kind of decided, well, I decided I wanted to do this for real quite early. But yeah, I, growing up, I loved all sports and tennis kind of stuck out because I was kind of best at it and my parents loved it. And that's kind of how I got started. Yeah, the National Academy in Brisbane seems like a hot spot for everyone. Everyone I speak to says the environment is amazing. Are you working with Anthony Richardson still there? How's that relationship on court in, in Queensland? Yeah, I love training in Brizzy. I think we just have such like a relaxed vibe. Not saying that the other academies aren't good, but yeah, just being there since I was 13 and I've always felt really comfortable and I get along well with all the coaches and the guy players and all the girls. Yes, yeah, so I think it's a really nice environment to train in. Yeah, I worked with Anthony when I was 13 till 18 and then we stopped working together and then I now work with Brett Hunter, who's my full-time coach. But yeah, Anthony played a huge role in where I am today. And he changed a lot of my technique when I first came down. So yeah, I obviously wouldn't be where I am right now if it wasn't for him as well. Lizette, are you training at the moment? What's your what's your schedule looking like in the midst of this whole pandemic? Yeah, so when it kind of first kicked off, I was actually training quite a lot. I was doing like five days on court, kind of trying to stick to my normal schedule. We weren't really out in the academy. So me and another tennis player, Priscilla Hon, we were hitting at her parents in grass court and we found a local school court. So we're just doing that together and then just doing fitness in the park um, since we couldn't really see any of our coaches. And then when this started to kind of drag out a little bit, I was like, okay, I should probably just chill out. We're going to be here a while. So I started doing like uh, less days on court, more fitness, because I think, um, yeah, during this time, like I definitely don't want to waste this year. Yeah, trying to work on like my speed and running. But there's definitely been like up and down days, but yeah, no, the, the academy has opened up like two weeks ago, so it's been really nice to be back. And our gym actually opens up today, so really pumped to get back in there and not do any more homework. Yeah, it's awesome to see all the players back on court. Having someone like Ash Barty, also from Queensland, and doing so well in the game, sometimes that just opens the door for other players like believing they can do it as well. Has that influenced you at all, having Ash? do so well and being from Queenslanders too? Yeah, definitely. I think 
it's pretty amazing that we get Ash in Brisbane and we get to practice with her sometimes and be alongside her in the gym. I think she's such a big inspiration for not only me, but a lot of young teen girls and boys around the world, especially in Oz. And yeah, I think if she can do it and have like a year break and go through everything that she went through, she's a bit of a freak, kind of in that 1%, but definitely gives me belief that, you know, if I keep working, I can definitely reach some of the goals that I've set. Lizette, 2016 was a major breakout year for you. You're 18 years old and you started the season outside the top 1,000. You won your first pro title in September and ended the season ranked 257. What clicked for you in that year to, to just launch your career and take the massive scalps that you did? Yeah, so the year before I had a pretty tough year. I was deciding whether I should go to college or not. And then I decided, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to still make it pro and just play like tournaments in the summer. I head over there and I'm there for a month and they're like, you don't have the right certificate from high school. You need to go home because if you stay, you'll have to pay. So I was like, oh crap, okay, I'll go home. And they're like, well, if you want to return, you need to do a year of uni. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to smash it out. And then being at the academy and kind of seeing everyone doing well, I was like, actually, maybe I want to go pro from being at home. I really love being around my family. And so that decision kind of weighed on me a lot that year. And I felt heaps of pressure to make sure I had both options open and kind of smash myself with uni and just wasn't getting the results. That next year, they finally told me you didn't do enough. And if you want to come back, you like can't play any AMTs, you can't play any pro tournaments. I was like, no, that's it. Like, I'm going to go pro, forget about the whole college thing. And then that year felt really good because I just felt like there was like this weight lifted off my shoulders. And so, yeah, once I decided, I just made a schedule with Anthony. I started working with my other coach, Brett. So I kind of had both of them in my corner, which was really nice because I really did need a lot of support that year. And yeah, just did lots of weeks on my own. I remember doing like five and a half weeks in Japan that year. And like falling asleep on the train station by myself and like just figuring out all these things that like, you know, you're a bit spoiled, like in the junior days, like everything's covered and playing all these AMTs to fund me to go overseas. So yeah, I think that's what clicked to me. Just like, if I really want this, it's got to come from me and I got to just, yeah, get it done. Like got to find a way. No one's going to do it for me. And then, yeah, I just had the right people around me and that year kind of clicked and yeah, I just felt like if I could do that, I can just keep going, I guess. Do you think it was a blessing in disguise that the college career for you didn't work out in the end? Oh yeah, for sure. When I went over there, like I really enjoyed like training in a group, but I didn't feel like it was kind of hard for me because none of the girls wanted to go pro. So none of the girls wanted to play in the summer. So a lot of the tournaments would be on my own, which I was okay about, but it would have been nice if there was at least like one or two girls wanting to go pro, but because they all had other goals, like, you know, graduating, wanting to be a doctor and stuff like that. Tennis was just kind of there to provide their way through college, but they still worked hard and it was a good environment. But yeah, it was definitely a blessing in disguise. I mean, finishing inside, you know, top 150 as a teenager, you know, that's quite rare as well shows your capability and how good you are as an athlete is there any particular matches that you have fond memories of i know you've had a couple or a top 50 win is there anything you can reflect on and some matches that really jump out at you as that was that was one of my best experiences yeah i'd say the end of that breakout year when i won my first pro tournament in tweed heads that was like a huge moment for me because i'd never really picked up a check for five grand and I was like wow this is so cool like I literally had to win like four AMTs to get this and I just won <laughs> one tournament and it was my first pro tournament and my family was there and Anthony and Brett were there and like it was an unreal feeling and then I went to Brisbane and played in my hometown and 
all my friends came and watched that and I backed up one again and won two tournaments in a row and I was kind of like, oh my gosh, I can, I can actually do this. Because like, like these tournaments I never used to go deep in and they were just 25Ks. And then that's when I started to really kind of build belief in myself. And then the next year in January, I played this match against Misaki Doi in Hobart and she was like 40 in the world at the time. And we had this unreal match and I won it five and third. And that was like, one of my standout wins I was like oh my gosh like I can't believe it just keeps getting better like I was like I went through such a tough year and then like to have like those kind of wins it felt really really good. Lizette do you mind taking us just a step back so in 2017 you make your Grand Slam debut at the Australian Open um, do you mind just telling us a little bit about how you found out you were getting the wild card and just the whole experience playing against Donna Vekic in the first round how was that all for you? Yeah, so after that year, I kind of had a good feeling. I was like, not as many girls had done well that year, and um, which was kind of unfortunate because I love when all the other Aussie girls are doing well. Um, but everyone kept saying to me, like, I think you're going to get the wild card. And I just didn't want to put, like, too much thought into it. I just kept kind of playing the tournaments and doing the right things. And I was like, you know, if I get it, I get it. Cool. If I don't, like. I'll be in qualies for the first time. And I'd never even played um, Oz Open qualies before. I'd only played juniors. And, yeah, I was – I think I might have been in Melbourne for this training camp and I got a call from Brett and Praddy, head of women's tennis, called him and told him the news and he was like, are you alone? And I was like, no, I just arrived for this camp with the girls. Like, we're in the taxi line. Okay, he's like, well, don't smile or anything, but you got the wild card, but you're not allowed to tell anyone yet. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I was like, okay, cool. And I just had to be like really calm in the taxi and not tell anyone, but I was just like so stoked. And then, yeah, going out to play Donna, I was so, so nervous because um, I had lots of my family come because it was such a big deal. And I'd never played in like a crowd that big before. And I think I let the nerves kind of get the better of me. And she played really well as well. I enjoyed that experience. But like looking back at it, there, there would have been a lot of things I probably would have changed on court. But yeah, that was pretty unreal to play my first home slam main draw in front of my families. Yeah, it's amazing. So lucky, I guess, being Australian and having a home slam to be able to experience that kind of atmosphere. You've been able to consolidate your ranking you're sitting at 127 in the world, which is only eight spots off your career high of 119. Obviously, it's a tricky situation right now with you know, COVID-19, but imagine your next goal is to crack top 100. Yeah, so before COVID hit, I was planning to, my ranking was at like maybe 119, and I was planning to yeah break into the top 100, hopefully before the French deadline and yeah play main of French uh that was the goal but yeah that's still the goal now like regardless for whenever we play it's always been like a really big goal of mine I don't know everyone just sets like top 100 as soon as you're there it's like the money's better just because funding and everything like you're in all main draw the slams but I think that's why like before when I kind of had that breakout yeah I put too much pressure on myself to like break into the top 100 and it was like such a big thing for me and I was because I did so well, I was putting, yeah, way too much pressure on myself to do. But, yeah, now that I'm really happy with where I'm at and kind of had to have a better mindset. So I definitely think once we return to play, it'll be a very achievable goal. Lizette, um, the tennis tour is known for taking players to every corner of the globe, some great places and some probably not so great places. Do you mind telling us some of the better places you've been to and also some of the worst places you've been to that you just wouldn't want to go back to? I'll start with the good places first. Like, I love London and Paris, um, but my favourite place to visit, I actually went as a junior to, like, 
the Netherlands. I really loved Amsterdam. It was probably my favorite place so far. And I love like Japan. The worst place, it's got to be China. Probably shouldn't say that right now, but yeah, it's definitely China because I had the worst experience there. Like it was just not everyone's so friendly and you're playing like kind of futures challenges and it's, it's not as good. Whereas when I went back and played the WTAs, like in Beijing and everything, it's like you're staying in five-star hotels, like the food's a joke. Um, but yeah, so when I was playing the challenges there, like it was, it was pretty bad. So I probably wouldn't want to go back to where the challenges were. It's been a consistent answer, actually, in the last month. Um, <laughs> you're not alone there. Um, who is actually the toughest competitor that you've come across? And that's a tricky question as well because, you know, you're 60s and going to WTA Tour, those players seem to handle the pressure a lot better. So that's, yeah. there's many factors involved there. The difference when I go into the WTA Tour, like I don't, I still have that belief that I can be like kind of anyone. Like when having a good day, I mean, I just think, yeah, they play the bigger moments and are a bit more consistent compared to the challenger level. But at the end of the day, we all hit the ball like the same. But I would say my toughest opponent, I always find it really tough to play good friends because um, I'm a person like I'm really competitive and then on court, like you could do whatever and I like, won't hold a grudge as long as it's like respectful or whatever. And I feel like sometimes some of the girls and it's like a bit like, I don't know, different. So I always find it kind of a bit hard playing them. This year I, in Brisbane, I played a girl called Buzkova and she was tough because she just made so many balls and yeah, she's like solidified her place in top 50. So I definitely play, say she was pretty tough. I can't really think of anyone else. <laughs> there's, that, there's a group of Aussie girls that are rising up the ranks together and I feel like this is a very unique and very rare situation that you have such a big group of girls who are also close and all sort of rising up the ranks together. Maddie Inglis, Priscilla Hahn, Destiny Ayava, Ellen Perez, Jamie Fullis, just to name a very small handful of them. And you tend to travel a lot together and hit a lot together. How beneficial is it for you that you have this group to be around and yeah, to just travel the tour with? It's unreal. I think just Aussie culture, like we're all really close and we all want each other to do well. And whenever we're at the same tournament, you know, we try and stay together, save money. We're always out there like supporting each other. I think when one girl does well, it pushes the others. And obviously I think it would be amazing for like young girls in tennis to see that we have such a big push. And if we were all to break in a top hundred, I think it would inspire like a lot of the younger generation, which is one of my goals. But yeah, it's, it's so good. Cause when I kind of had that breakout year, I was alone a lot it kind of was lonely at times um just because I feel like the Aussie girls kind of get my jokes a bit more compared to when I was like breaking out with these Japanese girls and I was the only Aussie at the tournament and I didn't understand anything I was saying but yeah it's really nice like you have a good support system we have a lot of group chats yeah we like have kept in touch over this kind of COVID season and um yeah it's always good to have people to bounce off who kind of understand your situation yeah it's awesome to be able to bond with such great friends like on the tour off the court especially through difficult times like we're in right now have you felt a lot of support from tennis australia through the pandemic how have they kind of helped you through this time yeah they've been i think they're doing as well as they can be it's obviously a really tough situation to be in with like not knowing if oz open's going to go ahead and when it first hit my snc coach tubs he was in touch with me and the boys other snc guys they like came around in a van and dropped us off equipment and yeah we're really on it straight away and yeah lots of group chats chris our manager at the academy was just like trying to source out all available courts like 
track around Brisbane that we could practice at. I don't really know how hard it is because I think they have to start cutting jobs just mm. because like of everything that's going on, which kind of sucks. For me personally, like I've been in touch with Wally and Mole and everyone's been really good to me, so I can't really complain. I don't know about the other players, but yeah, so far I think I've been, they've been doing a good job. Great to hear. So on Monday night, the Chief Operating Officer at Tennis Australia, Tom Lana, revealed their plan Sunvale, a domestic tournament starting later this month, which will see each state's best players come up against each other in a round-robin format. Have you heard much about this tournament and do you plan on playing it? Yeah, definitely plan on playing it. I'm so bored at practice. Like <laughs> This feels like the longest preseason of all time and I was dying in preseason. Like I was so ready to go. So yeah, I'm definitely going to play it. I think it's going to be so good to just kind of have that um, competitive feel again. There'll be some money up as well, which is good because, you know, none of us have been earning money. But yeah, I'll definitely be playing it. I think it's something to do with like the UTR system. And I think there'll be like maybe like six girls and six guys in each state or there's like two groups of that. I don't really know. More details are going to be confirmed soon. I definitely plan on playing it. And obviously tennis being an individual sport, most players really get up and about for the, the team environment. Is that something you really like to be involved in as well? Yeah, I love like all that team stuff. I think because I love watching basketball and just like how yeah, they have that team kind of spirit and like on the sidelines or doing something funny like with the celebrations, which I would love to do. Um, but yeah, it just makes it so much better when you win. You can celebrate with everyone bit more pressure but it's way more fun and I love doubles and yeah I just don't think we have enough of that team stuff which I hope maybe in the future we will have. Lizette do you mind telling us a little bit about your clothing we've heard that you design your own clothes on the court. Yeah I work with this company called Cleo Harper and I was really fortunate enough to meet them they're a small business up in the Gold Coast and they're an activewear company and they always the owner Vanessa um, has always loved tennis and we pretty much reached out to her and we were like hey like I'm looking for a new clothing sponsor would you be interested and like straight away she was like yes like I love tennis and first time I met her she had this full slideshow of like Oz Open, French, Wimby and like all these color patterns and then I brought all my favorite dresses and kind of outfits from the past and I said this is what I like who designed something like this and whatever and then you know like a week or two weeks later she had sketches for me and then she was sending samples overseas um, for them to get made and then I would try them and I was actually in Bendigo last year when she was sending me my Oz Open outfits which was pretty cool and I just kind of made notes of um where we had to adjust stuff. But yeah, it was really cool to actually wear like something that I had input in. And I like kind of love being different. I don't like seeing like everyone wearing Nike or Adidas. Mm. And everyone was kind of coming up to me like, oh my gosh, like what are you wearing? Like we've never seen this. And yeah, I always kind of wanted to stand out, but also because they're just like really good to me. And um, yeah, I'm really lucky to have met them. Yeah, it's great to be involved like with a small company and then also be a part of the process. It's really a unique experience. And it, yeah, it also is very cool that you get to you know wear some things that other people aren't wearing on the court. Hopefully it takes off for the company and it looks great. I saw some of the stuff on Instagram. Just a random question. When I messaged you on WhatsApp, I saw your status said probably eating food. What's <laughs> that all about and what food do you enjoy eating? Yeah, well... I think everyone knows in the tennis world, all my friends, that I'm an absolute foodie. I love food and I'm constantly eating, snacking. Um, it's like one of my weaknesses when I'm traveling because like you just get so bored in the hotel room. Like there's only so much like Netflix and scrolling. 
you can do or like reading a book so yeah I'm always snacking yeah I just I don't know why I typed that on WhatsApp like I'm so random and I just thought it was funny like no one ever actually commented on it so I was like I kind of forgot it was there I love food like my parents are such good cooks I'm like not a very good cook but I'm trying since we're in ISO kind of now who doesn't love food I love the cafe culture in in Australia and yeah we have the best food so (laughs) what's your go-to meal to cook oh to cook wow I'm not the best cook at all but the other day I made this prawn linguine like this pasta and it was actually really good like I was eating it and I was pretty impressed and my family loved it so I was like it must be decent Yeah, speaking of your family, I think both parents are Filipino. Cabrera, when I originally saw that surname when you were coming up, I thought you must have been Spanish you know, when you were yeah. a youngster. But how has that culture impacted you um, growing up? And have you played much in the Philippines? And what's your, I guess, you know, cultural identity there? Yeah, so my parents moved from the Philippines to Australia when they were like 20, I think. So yeah, I definitely have both like the Aussie and Filipino culture like mixed in. But yeah, no, they've definitely taught me like a lot of their values like growing up they didn't have a lot dad had lots of siblings and they all slept in one room on the floor so I definitely know that I'm very grateful to have been born in Australia and they work so hard for me and sacrificed literally like everything for my tennis even kind of favoring me a bit more sometimes with my tennis instead of my brother and sister which I'm also really grateful for because you know it would have been really easy for them to grow up and kind of resent me in a way just because mom and dad did spend so much on me and my tennis but no they've always been so supportive and yeah I'm definitely very proud to be Filipino and Australian and I always try and learn more about my culture and because in a way, I feel like I don't do enough. Like I can understand Filipino, the language, but I can't really speak it. So that's definitely something I want to be able to do in the future. And yeah, just, I don't know, yeah, kind of hopefully play over there and play some exhibitions one day and help out kind of like children in less fortunate places because I know that maybe could have been me if I was born there. But yeah, no, I, I love the food. Filipino food is the best. I think not many people know enough about it, actually. Yeah, so proud of my parents and the way they've raised me and proud to be both Filipino Australian. Lizette, we have a large following of kids that listen to the show, especially some aspiring athletes. If you had one sort of message to them, the the youth that's the next crop of youngsters coming through the game, what would it be? Don't compare yourself and always believe that you can do something. I think growing up, I always compared myself in nationals and all these tournaments that you think is such a big deal when really you're going to look back at it and it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I would just say, yeah, kind of focus on your own journey and just believe that you can do it because if you keep working, I mean, anything's possible. Lucky you get, I guess, especially for me. So, and I'm not, I haven't even made it yet, like still trying. So <laughs> yeah, that'd be my advice. I read a quote from you on the Tennis Australia bio website and said i'm loving every minute of it all the ups and downs and i'm so grateful to be doing what i'm doing from watching you from kind of keeping up to date a little bit on social media and chatting to you today you can definitely see how much you love the game and how grateful you are to be doing what you're doing so all the best as everything gets up and running again and look forward to seeing you crack that top 100 and thanks very much for chatting with today Thanks so much for having me, guys. Thank you, Lizette, for coming on the show this week. We really do appreciate you taking the time out of your day to chat to us, and we'll be sure to keep an eye on your progress as the tour returns. Really looking forward to you cracking the top 100. Well, that's another edition of Aussies Only in the books. All thanks to Latour Tennis. Check out their latest Dig 3 collection at latourtennis.com and give them a follow on Instagram at latourtennis.com. 
Another edition of Aussies Only. Head to thefirstserve.com.au if you've missed any of our previous chats with David Barclay, Danny Buberis, James Duckworth, Ellen Perez, Daria Gavrilova, Storm Sanders, Mark Polmans, Luke Saville, and much more. Thefirstserve.com.au to check out all those episodes. Another week of Aussies Only in the books. Thank you very much for tuning in. You've been listening to Aussies Only, part of The First Serve, your home of tennis. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.